How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. CLA allows you to claim automobile allowance for the first 5,000 kilometer, uh, $0.59 cents per kilometer. Okay. And then it will be $0.53 cents over and above 5,000 kilometers. Uh, you also need to keep your lease agreement if you lease your car. If you have purchased a car, you have to keep the purchase agreement and you have to keep your CAA membership if you have any. So you may lease a Porsche for eight hundred dollars. I don't think you can lease no a Porsche for eight hundred dollars. It's at least two grand a month. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to our second part of our discussion of what could be right off our income tax, and we invite our friend back Cherry Chan to have that discussion. We're going to drill a little bit more in detail about deducting cars and car leases and how it could be done, whether it's in the personal name or the corporation name. And so welcome back and let's enjoy this uh, further discussion. Coming back to incorporation a lot of nurse practitioners and physician assistants as well they do teaching they teach for universities mm -hmm. some of those are on contract basis mm -hmm. and so for those circumstances not necessarily their regular daytime employment but the the employment or the work done for the university or for research for other things those could be incorporated. Those could, sorry, the income could come under a corporation as opposed to come in personally. So I should go back a little bit to describe why and how you could be incorporated first. Not everyone can be incorporated. Hmm. Um, yes, I know nurse practitioner, nursing, uh, nurse assistants and uh, dentists and doctors, a lot of professional bodies are allowing that the practitioners to set up their corporation. But that does not mean that your role in an organization is necessarily just a professional corporation. Now, what I mean is that, hey, like if you are, there are rules. If you are someone using my client as an example, you have to report to work every single day from like, or whatever shift that you're working at. If you have to report to work during that particular time, nine to let's say it's nine to five, and they provide all the equipment, you have no financial risk whatsoever. They agree to pay you the $90,000. And so that's my client, $90,000 salary. You have to report to work. You don't get to spend any parking, but you have no financial risk. You just, you have to go to work and you have a supervisor that control what you do. You have to listen to the supervisor's uh, role. You cannot outsource any of your work. You cannot just hire another nurse practitioner to work for you on the, the same job. 
those are considered more of an employment relationship between you and the particular clinic or particular um, uh, hospital. Now, if you have that type of a relationship, chances are you're an employee and you're not supposed to be able to set up a corporation, even though your professional body may allow you to set up a corporation. Got it. And now there are different relationships. Maybe a nurse practitioner is, is just working at multiple clinics, family clinics, helping multiple doctors, and they get paid based on their, um, the patients that they treated. That, that's a totally different story. If they work harder, they would be able to get more reward. That's financial risk. They have to drive their own car. They may even have to provide some small tools or some of the um, supplies. That's a different type of nurse practitioner that we're talking about. Yes. And in that case, and we can talk about corporation and having your sole proprietorship. So the, the nurse practitioner who also, let's say, do contract work in yeah. education, they'll teach yes. for the university on the occasion or maybe once a week where they have to drive to the university. That portion of the work, as you say, if I think I'm understanding what you say, that portion of the of her work could be contractual and that portion could be under the corporation. Exactly. And they also look at the type of equipment and the schedule that they have to, how much control the um, in terms of time and the type of work. And then, I mean, the type of work there would be the control, but then in terms of the equipment that's being supplied, the, the control of time and uh, schedule would be how you determine whether the that type of contract would be an employment contract versus a business contract. Got it. And, how, and also how much more does this person, the nurse practitioner, work for the other university or colleges or how much more, how many more contracts, how many more clients with, or patients or en entities that this nurse practitioner would have as well. If you operate a business, you would have more clients. So, so. The, the, least, the least control over your work, the more you are in employee status. Yes, exactly. But if you have, let's say the, um, the university engaged you to do some research project and you can do it on your own time, you just have to meet certain deliverable, then that's more of your, and you, you do you use your own equipment, you use your computer, you do, you do your own research, that's more of an, a business contract. And therefore, some of the, this income should be able to go into the corporation. And of course, when you sign the agreement, with the um, university, make sure that it is um, it is not an employment contract. Correct. It's a uh, business contract. Exactly. Okay, so now let's go to my favorite topic, which is cars, but okay. my least favorite topic, which is taxes. So we'll combine <laughs> the two together because it's we'll a very to make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very common question you you have no idea how many healthcare professionals are wondering can i write off my car and how much and and in what way so help us understand that what are the regulations and rules that allow us to write off our car and maybe it's just some general ideas for us to understand. And then I'll have a few more more specific questions for you after. Typically, going back to the general rule that I mentioned, I always go back to the same general rule, uh, is that you are eligible to deduct the automobile expenses if you incur the expense for the purpose of earning the income. And it's, su it's subject to a bunch of exceptions. Now, what it means is, first of all, you have to be 
owning your business. So we talk about the criteria that they look at, whether you are owning the business or not, or you're an employee or you own your own business. So that's number one decision. Now, number two decision is, okay, did I drive for the purpose of earning the business income or in our case is professional income? Now, when we talk, when we decide whether we are um, incurring the mileage, we use that, we, we're driving for the purpose of that, um, uh, the trip, the purpose of the trip would be for uh, business reason. You have to decide whether um, how your business structure. It, we have to look at your business structure first. Okay. Now let's use a doctor who family doctor. Uh, my father-in-law is a family doctor. He has his own clinic in uh, Markham, and the trip that he drives from his home to his own clinic is not a business expense. <laughs> Right now, he goes to his clinic. Let's say five days a week, right? Mm-hmm. And so that drive five days a week for the for his profession and the earning of his professional income, you say that that is not a business income. That's not a business deduction. That's now, business. yeah. Now it's only to your office that is not a business deduction. Now the the fact that he drives to maybe meet other physicians at a conference to attend conferences, that drive is deductible. The okay. drive that he would go uh, to visit his patients in the in in the hospital, that drive is uh, deduct- uh, deductible. It's just the the, um, the mileage that he drives to his own office. If he has a permanent office, yes. is not tax deductible. So what about an example of physicians who have multiple offices. For example, I'll give you two examples. A lot of family doctors work at two or maybe three offices. Mm-hmm. So today I'm driving driving to office A, tomorrow I'm driving to office B, and the next day I'm driving to office C. So I even though I have three different offices, could that be considered business or is that still a regular profession earning your regular professional income? And so how many of those, or if any of those could be deducted as a business deduction? I would deduct some of it. Now, I would just call one of them as my main office. This is my main office. I'll stay, spend as much time there. And then the rest of them would be something that would be, I would deduct it. Now, if you ask in the perfect world, perfect tax textbook answer, yeah. the answer is probably up to the what the auditor is interpreting which one is really your office. If you say all three of them are all my offices, then you're probably out of luck. Out of luck. Now, the second example is the specialists who work in the hospital, Mm -hmm. but they also see patients in their office outside of the hospital. Mm. And so when they drive to the hospital, how would that be considered versus when they drive to their offices, how would that be considered? So the physician would be driving to the hospital and they have, they also have a separate contract with the hospital. That's I'm, but then his primary office would still be his home office, like it, not his home office, but his clinic. Yes. Then I would say that the the all the distance from his home to the uh, hospital would be deductible, but the distance to his office is not deductible. Got it. Many physicians wear many hats too, right? They see patients, but they also do teaching. They also do a research or they may do administrative work for companies or the ministry, whatever it may be. So if they drive to their office, that portion, I understand that that is not a business deduction. But what about if they drive to university for, for their administrative 
purpose work or they drive to for the education or they now drive because they have contractual work with the ministry would would that be a business deduction so it goes back to the decision that we mentioned the the decision factor how much control you have over the work it goes back to that if assuming that it is uh, on a contract and you have all your control so you are operating a business then those expenses would be definitely deductible Unless they they require you to be in that office and that particular ministry, the Ministry uh, of Health said that you have a permanent office in here, you are supposed to report on that particular location, then that may not allow the physician to deduct it. But chances are under majority of the situation, you would be able to deduct that, but just not your, the mileage that you've driven from your home to the office. So the thing that I understand from this conversation is two things. So really, truly understand what constitute professional income and what constitute a business income. Uh, professional income and or, or employment income. Or employment income. And the second thing I understand is, well, what is your risk tolerance in, in regards to how creative you want to be with that deduction? Yeah, um, exactly. Your accountant may be a bit more creative versus my accountant is a little bit more conservative. But the main thing is stay within the book. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, the gray area have many level of gray, yes. many shade of gray. So you may just want to stay on the right side and be a little bit more conservative. You may not even incur any vehicle expenses at all, like deducting the vehicle expenses at all, because you could be working at the hospital. You have essentially kind of like a job in the hospital, but your contract doesn't say so. You are reporting to the hospital on a regular basis and that essentially become your primary office. Deducting any vehicle expenses to the hospital doesn't sound right. But now deducting the vehicle expenses for you to drive to the conference or for you to visit your um, your colleagues that refer you business, those would be definitely deductible. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, car deductions is one of the risk factors that the CRA will look and pay attention to. Yep. And so because they pay attention to that, we should definitely pay attention to that and probably try to be conservative as opposed to be trying to be creative. Yeah. Now, so there are many different things that you need to do when when it comes down to deducting automobile expenses. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you need to earn your deduction, which also means that all the gas receipts you have to keep. If you are um, deducting it in your personal name in the corporation, there is an option for you in terms of how you deduct it. But if you are not sure which one is more beneficial, by all means, keep all your gas receipts. You have to um, keep all the expenses related to your car. This means that the maintenance and repairs of the of your car, this means that you have to keep the uh, license and registration charge, the receipt. Uh, you also need to keep your lease agreement if you lease your car. If you have purchased a car, you have to keep the purchase agreement and you have to keep your CA membership if you have any, your auto insurance bill. If you use 407 here in Toronto, um, then you want to keep track of that as well. So these are all tax deductible expenses. Now, one thing that I want to point out is that we mentioned that we, you're only allowed to deduct the mileage. What it means is that at the end of the year, you will sum up all these expenses that you incur related to your car. 
um, the way that we do your taxes is that we sum up all your expenses. There's a total, let's say it's 20,000 for your car expense. Now um, we look at the mileage, the mileage matters. So let's say you've driven 5,000 kilometer that's related to business use and the entire car recorded about a 20,000 mileage that's incurred for the year, including personal use, because you got to drive your car for personal use too. So 5,000 divided by 20,000, that means a quarter of your expenses, 25% of your total expenses would be related to business. Mm -hmm. So we take the 20%, uh, 25% times the $20,000. That yeah. would be the amount that you would be eligible to deduct the, um, the, uh, against your professional income. So the 20,000 is the, the maximum per year deductible. Or what is that 20,000 again? Sorry, I confuse you. <laughs> okay, let's let's say you drive five thousand for business, five thousand kilometer for uh, business use for the yes. full year, but the other uh, in the the entire year, you've driven twenty thousand kilometer in total. Right, which so represents twenty five percent. Exactly. Oh, so oh, I get it. So twenty five percent of the uh, gas bill, the C the CAA bill, the four hundred seven bill, et cetera, et cetera. Insurance, yes. Insurance, I. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. And your lease as well. And then if you own your car, um, the calculation, it gets a little bit more complicated. If you, you own your car, it's calculated on a declining balance. It's calculated based on the CLA rate, the measure of the, uh, the wear and tear of the car. And the measure is about 30% of your, the purchase price of your car up to a maximum of $30,000 plus uh, HST. So $33,900, the maximum you can claim that in the first year is about that 30% multiply by that. So okay, so let me this is a great segue into my next question anyways. <laughs> so yeah. you've, you've kind of addressed it, and I want to be sure I understand it. So there's a difference whether I purchase a car versus I lease a car. Yep. And so in the example you just mentioned is someone who purchased a car. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to mileage, or is it the depreciation is it one or the other or is it both it's one or the other i can either depreciate my car or i can uh, write off the mileage yes so exactly the, so the example of the mileage we addressed so if we're using the mileage portion that's how we would use it but if we're using the depreciation because i'm financing or i purchased a car i would do what you've or i could do what you've mentioned there so no, yes and no. So uh, what I described the proportion the 25% of all, all your total expenses, the total expenses is uh, it would include the write-off of your uh, car as well. So it, um, the write-off, the depreciation on your car is calculated based on 30% of your car purchase. And then out of the 30%, let's say it's $10,000, whatever it calculates, maybe $10,000, say, if you take $10,000 plus all your gas expense, insurance, uh, uh, ma uh, maintenance, all that add up, yes. um, the total of that multiplied by the business usage is what you can deduct. Ah, got it. So I need to, one, figure out the depreciation for that year. Yes. And this example is 10000 mm. And I add up all my um, gas bill, uh, 407 insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And it comes out to, let's say, 20000 as an example. So now mm. what I can deduct is the business portion, which is 25%. 
So mm-hmm. it'll be twenty five percent of that twenty thousand. It will be Get then it. the five thousand dollars. Yes. Got it.、Mm-hmm. And so, what about for a lease? How would a lease work? Same way, I, I'm assuming, the 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 lease amount per year plus all your four hundred seven insurance, etc., and then twenty five percent of that. I I do believe that、um, that is going to be the case.、Um, the lease payment, though,、uh, the maximum amount is eight hundred dollars per month that you can deduct. That's still quite a bit. Yeah. Now it's not quite like that, to be、yeah. honest. Now, so I mentioned earlier, if you were to purchase a car, the maximum you can deduct is thirty、mm-hmm. thousand. So let's just go back to that the same example. That thirty thousand dollars, if you buy a Porsche, which is Obviously, going to. How did you know、figures. I love Porsches? <laughs> <laughs> My father-in-law has a Porsche, <laughs> so he.、Um, I figure all physicians love Porsche. I, I、um, think it's an Asian thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, um,、uh, I heard that the newest、uh, Porsche has、um, electrical version of it. They do. They do. They they have one on display at Markville. Oh my God! Really? <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's over my head, above my head. So let's forget it. I'm not、yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna dream today. Now, so if you buy a Porsche, a regular Porsche, not the electrical version, which we will get into the electrical car deduction later on,、yeah. but if you、um, if you buy a regular Porsche,、um, if it is a hundred thousand, I'm just picking a random number. I don't really、yeah. know how much a Porsche would would be. It's about that or、yeah. more. Now, if you buy a Porsche that's a hundred thousand dollars, you can maximum you can deduct it for business is thirty thousand. Yeah. If you buy. Fifty thousand dollars Honda Odyssey. That's the car that I drive for my family. Me too.、And、you can only deduct thirty thousand dollars plus HST. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, the first year you take that thirty thousand, multiply by thirty percent of it. That's maximum you can deduct, and then you multiply by the business use of it, which we mentioned earlier. In, yes. In that case, it's twenty five percent in our example. Yeah. Now, um, the second year you take whatever you claim in the first year. That amount is important. You. The program calculates it for you, but I'm just、yeah. walking you through the number. You、yeah. take thirty thousand、uh, maximum that you could have deduct. You could deduct minus whatever you claim in the first year. Yeah, there is a difference, right? Yeah. You let's say it's um in our example, you claim ten thousand in the first year. So the next year, thirty minus ten, then that would be twenty thousand. It's、yeah. only twenty thousand that you can apply the thirty percent to. So、yeah. every year is on a declining balance basis. Got it. Now. That's how much you can deduct from a car. Yeah. Now, so when people ask me, "Hey, Cherry, should I buy a car so that I don't have to pay as much tax?" It's not quite like that because there are a large portion that you may not be able to deduct. First of、mm-hmm. all, if you buy a Porsche, seventy thousand dollars is not deductible to begin with. Um, the second thing is that it's deducted on a declining balance basis, so then it's not really it's you don't get the full write off in the first year. In terms of the lease、uh, amount. That's would be very different because the lease amount, yes, there is a maximum of eight hundred dollars that you can deduct, but there is a calculation that is also、um, required by the CLA that you have to、um, prorate your purchase price to lower to thirty thousand dollars. So they would go through the calculation, take your manufacturing、uh, lease price, which it would be on your lease agreement. You take that amount and then take the calculation through, and it will spit out a number, the maximum you can, the lease cost that you can deduct. So you、right. may lease a Porsche for eight hundred dollars. I don't think you can lease no Porsche for eight hundred dollars. It's at least two grand a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's say if you lease、um, a Honda, Honda Odyssey. 
Honda Odyssey. So my Honda Odyssey is six hundred bucks, roughly. Yeah.、Uh, that lease it, lease amount. Just because it's six hundred dollars per month, it's under eight hundred dollars. It doesn't mean the entire six hundred dollars is deductible. You、Got、still、it. have to go through the、um, manufacturing price adjustment to lower that six hundred dollars so that it would be the same as if you were to buy the thirty thousand dollar car. Okay. Now it's complicated calculation. Leave that to your accountant. But I just wanted to explain to you that that that's a high level. Now let's say it truly allows six hundred dollars per month deduction. That six hundred dollars you still have to multiply by the business use of it. Correct. Which is the twenty five percent that I mentioned. Correct. For the actual deduction. Correct. So, so in our example, it's twenty five percent. So, at the end of the day, when you talk about all these deductions, and by the time you factor in the business use of it,、uh, it could be a small amount. Absolutely. And so the question is: Is it even worth it to do all that documentation and all that to deduct a small amount? That what what has been your experience when you work with the individuals of that、uh, of that income? Depending on how you drive and your pattern, it may or may not be worth it. To be honest, yeah.、Um, and also depending on your business structure, right?、Correct. If you are you're a physician, that I mentioned earlier to you, a friend of、uh, mine, it, she works at Credit Valley as a specialist. It's probably not worth for her, not worthwhile for her to keep all the expenses and everything. Now, which also this is a good example to segue to the corporation. Yeah. Now, what I described to you is a way to deduct automobile expenses in your personal name. Yes.、Um, in in the corporation, you can de-、uh, you can deduct the automobile expenses the same way, but then there is a second option to deduct your automobile expenses. You don't have to keep track of your um, you don't have to keep all the receipts from your gas mile um、uh, maintenance insurance CAA all that. You don't have to do it. All you need to do is to keep your logbook. Hmm. So、yeah. let's say I drive for business th- today、um, to the to the conference and to uh, uh, professional development conference, and it's I don't know a hundred kilometer, whatever. You add them all up at the end of the year. So we use the five thousand kilometer earlier in our example. So let's、yes. continue to use that five thousand. CIA allows you to claim automobile allowance for the first five thousand kilometer, fifty nine cents per kilometer. Okay. And then it will be fifty-three cents over and above five thousand kilometer. Okay. All you need essentially is the documentation of your mileage logbook. So no need for the tax receipt, the gas receipt, the insurance receipt. None of that. None of that. If it is in the corporation. Now that's only allowed if you have a corporation and you operate within your corporation to earn your business income. The second thing that you should sometimes keep is the maintenance record because、yeah. to justify your mileage and everything, you、um, on your maintenance record of your car, it will shows the mileage that you've driven. So that's the other thing that you may just want to keep just in case. But other than that, you don't need to keep gas receipt, insurance, and all these other things. Very good、uh, point, and it, that triggers a question for me. So if I'm Using,、uh, I'm I'm incorporated. Let's assume I'm incorporated, and now I've written, I've deducted the the mileage、uh, off my car for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the personal side, is that a taxable benefit? Um, the fifty nine cents、uh, prescribed by the CL rate is not a taxable benefit. Okay, okay. So my corporation gets the tax deduction, and me personally, I don't get to. 
to pay tax on that. It's it's yes. A, okay. Now, so let's use the uh, five thousand five thousand kilometer as an example. So use real number. The five thousand yeah. times fifty nine cents. That means it's two thousand nine hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Let's round it up to three thousand yeah. dollars. What it means is that the corporation can deduct three thousand dollars, and the three thousand dollars the corporation has to reimburse you personally. So you can withdraw three thousand dollars from the corporation tax free. Now that is only assuming that you are using reimbursing yourself using the automobile allowance. Approved by CLA. If the allowance is not the same as this amount, then it could trigger a benefit or um, uh, a deduction. So the proper way to do it, if you pay yourself, okay, I only pay myself twenty cents. There are employers out there that reimburse the employee twenty cents, fifty, uh, fifty cents. Not the same as what the what's posted by CLA's website. What you can do is that the corporation can write a T twenty two hundred form, the T twenty two hundred form, employment expenses form that I mentioned earlier to you. Yeah. That twenty two hundred T twenty two hundred allows you to go through the actual calculation of your um, car expenses, the detailed calculation, gas receipts and insurance and all that. You can deduct the expenses in that accordingly because then you can have benefit、um, or you have a bigger deduction than what you got. One thing I got out of this particular discussion is one: don't get a Porsche; it's too expensive. <laughs> Two: if you're gonna write off the car. It sounds to me, at least, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds to me like the process is simpler if you're doing it via the corp, and the、yeah. amount is also potentially higher via the corp. Depending on the type of car you drive, too, right? Like if you are driving a Porsche、uh, or、um, a more expensive car, and you change your car every single、uh, every few years, it may.、Uh, It may be beneficial to use the detail method. I call it the detail method、yeah. um, to claim it. But if you're you don't mind driving、um, uh, the same car for a number of years, and and it chances are in the later years of your car, you would have more benefit just using the CLA automobile allowance rate to claim your expenses. While we're on the topic of cars, I read on your blog something that blew my mind, and I hope that you can share some of that wisdom with us. And this is in regards to zero emission cars, which essentially means electric cars. Yes. So yes. maybe give us a little bit of a general understanding. Remember、um, earlier that we mentioned that if you purchase a car and you operate a car for business purpose, you can deduct a portion of the wear and tear of the 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 car. And、yes. if you were to purchase a Porsche, the maximum you can deduct is the thirty thousand dollars plus HST. Correct. Okay, but for、um, starting, I think in March in two thousand nineteen, March two thousand nineteen, our pr- lovely Prime Minister. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call him lovely, you mean, but you mean the one who speaks moistly? <laughs> yes, our lovely prime minister decided that green initiative is very important. Owning a hybrid car, plug-in hybrid only. Okay, plug-in hybrid or an electric car would be、oh. good for the environment. So even hybrid, meaning half electric, half gas. There are a list of cars that are available. So I yes. Yes,、okay. it has to be the one that has the G license plate. You know,、okay. like if you、yeah. get the G license plate, green green initiative, green license plate. Okay, because hybrid is not zero emission. 
no, no. So it has it has a list of zero emission cars that's allowed. You have to okay. search it up, but certain plug-in hybrid would be allowed as well. Okay, got it. Mm. But it has to be plug-in. Got it. Okay. So these cars, if you purchase them after March 18, 2019, and before 2024, uh, actually before 2028, you will be able to get a bigger deduction than the $30,000 that I mentioned. Okay. So what it means is that, uh, for example, you um you buy um I like to use Tesla as an example. We, yeah. I'm sure we help Tesla so many. You know, it's Tesla. a poster child. They're the poster child, anyways. <laughs> and there's not that many electric vehicle, anyways. So let's yeah. just use that. And by <laughs> by no means are we endorsing Tesla. That's what you yeah. want to say. <laughs> yes, um, but Tesla, we help a lot of our clients buy Tesla because of this zero emission car deduction. Now the Tesla, um, if you were to purchase a Tesla, if it is like, let's say a Model S, if you buy a Tesla Model S, it's over $100,000. In yep. the previous legislation, it basically allows you to claim $30,000. Right now, because uh, our prime minister really likes this screen initiative, he's temporarily allowing all these people who purchase Tesla to claim $55,000. That's Instead of 30,000. Yeah, that's the maximum. Now, right. the 55,000, you also do not need to cal go through the calculation. Remember earlier I mentioned that, oh, you take the 30,000, multiply by 30% and all that. Yes. You don't have to do any of that. You Nothing. claim 55,000 right off Justin. the first year. Yes. Okay. And that's how it works. I buy electric vehicle. I have a tax deduction up to 55,000. No questions asked. Mm -hmm. No documentation, no paper. And that's off the first year. Just the first year. What about the second year? I don't get any more deductions. Yes, you don't. So if I assume I'm buying this Model S for the first year yeah. and, and uh, it's a hundred grand. So I, I paid a hundred grand. I get mm -hmm. this 55,000 mm -hmm. back in, re, in, in tax deduction. Yep. So essentially my car is 45 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the second year, you know what? I want the Model X. I'm, so I'm going to sell my Model S. In the second year, can I also have another 55 on the Model X? I have to double check. We haven't gone through that yet. Okay. We haven't gone through any of our clients haven't gone through <laughs> buying the Model X next. Now you can write off the second Model X for sure. Um, I think you might have to, uh, when you dispose it, you have to uh, add something back. Okay, so that's the general rule, but I there could be an exception for this particular class. So is there a rule as to how many years I have to keep that electric vehicle? No, it's based on the the value of the car when you sell it, right? If you sell yeah. it for like substantially less than that, that would be different. So the first year I buy a Model S, uh, I deduct 55. Uh, next year, I really want to upgrade to a Model X because it's an SUV. So I can write off another 55. And then in the third year, I, you know, my kids have moved on to university and I don't need that big of a car. I moved down to model three. Can I also deduct another 55 on the third year? So you have to, you can't argue that you have three cars, right? So no, no, I, I sell one at a time. I sell one yes, at a time. Yeah, yes, you can deduct model three. Like the year that you buy, you can yeah. deduct it. And But that $55,000 that I mentioned is also like you still need to apply the same business percentage. Don't get me wrong. 
So remember, if it is 25% that you use for business use that particular year, only 25% would be deductible. Oh, okay. Got it. So the first year I got that Model S, uh, it's it's a maximum of 55, yes. but my business use is only 25% of that. Yeah. So I can only deduct 25% of that 55, mm. not, not but, the 55,000 it, itself. Yes. It's always, all these calculations are always subject to the business usage of your car. Got it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you for pointing that out because I was going down another rabbit hole down here. <laughs> and so... In terms of zero emission vehicles, obviously we have Tesla as the uh, poster child, but you know, there's, you mentioned Porsche now has that, Volvo has that, Lexus has that. So all these cars, if they, if they appear, pardon? Lexus doesn't have a plug-in hybrid. I was looking it up. Oh, they did. (laughs) So maybe not Lexus, but uh, Ford, that Ford have one. Uh, Volvo has one and Audi now the e-tron, right? Hmm. So all these cars would be, if they are on the list of the CRA, then it, yes. would, it would qualify. Yep. Now, um, I also want to mention that um, to qualify to claim the 55000 you cannot receive any government subsidies on the purchase of the car. If you receive the government subsidies, that's not going to work. Okay. So what that means is because uh, Doug Ford in Ontario, when he came in, he removed that subsidy. And I don't remember which year it was. If I had the, if I took that, say the Kathleen Wynne subsidy just before Doug Ford removed it. So had I taken that uh, subsidy from the liberal government, I would not be able to use this CRA incentive. So it's one Um, or the other. Yes, for sure not eligible, but then because they don't cross over. Remember, you have to buy the car after March 19, 2019. Yes. So they don't really cross. It's impossible for you to get those subsidies. But there is also government rebate, not subsidy, government rebate program on uh, electric car. Yeah. And this is this is federal or this is provincial? I think it's uh, federal. There is okay. a bunch there. Aldi, A3, BMW, 330E, I3, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Ford, Fusion, and Energy. So many plug-in hybrid now. Because I, I was actually thinking of getting a zero emission car as well. And so mm-hmm. this is a, a good way to think about how we can do good for the environment, but also get that tax incentive. Yeah. I, one thing I do also want to mention is that in order for you to claim the capital cost allowance, or that, that means the wear and tear yeah. of the car, if you purchase a car, you have to, the taxpayer in our case, is the healthcare worker has to be the one owning the vehicle. So your your, your spouse cannot be the one that's own that will own that vehicle. So if you were to buy a plug-in hybrid right now, um, that qualifies for the fifty-five thousand dollar deduction. You have to personally own it yes. to be eligible for the deduction. Right. If your spouse owns it, it's not going to work. But my spouse can own it and she can deduct it off her and her. Yes, if she has the she has that business use of the car, yes. Correct. So mm-hmm. let me ask this question about the corporation now. Mm-hmm. So if my corporation uh, purchases the car mm. and I'm using it, mm. does that become a taxable benefit? Yes. 
And so my corporation can deduct the capital. Uh, what did you call it? Capital cost allowance. Cop capital cost allowance. So yeah. my corporation can deduct that. Yep. Uh, so, but I personally would not be responsible for that tax. But but the fact that my car my car is owned by the corporation and I'm using it, for me personally, it becomes a taxable benefit. Yes, the um, CLA just wants you to wants to tax the uh, you on you as in the person, the individual um, on the availability of the use of the car. It's okay. available for you to use for personal use, and personal use is not deductible. Correct. So Ex it could be a very punitive um, deduction. We call them standby charge. The standby charge benefit that's added to your personal name. It yeah. could be very expensive yeah. uh, because it's always calculated on the purchase price of the car. Uh, the car. Yeah. So what I'm understanding from this is, if you are going to get this allowance and you are going to purchase a car to use, mm -hmm. uh, and you're using it personally, uh, don't don't buy it through the corp. Because yes. it becomes a taxable benefit, which yep. for for certain cars and certain amount, it becomes very punitive. For majority of the physicians, it could be because you're not going to use ninety percent of yeah. the car for business purpose, and therefore you your chances are you're more on the low end of the spectrum, like ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent. Then it will be really expensive because the other percentage would be added to your personal name right. as a benefit. For professionals like real estate agents or investment bankers or financial investors, etc., because they use their car so much for business, they have a higher deduction rate than most physicians or healthcare professionals. Um, yeah, there is a, like so for real estate agents specifically. I work with a lot of real estate agents. My husband himself is one. They drives a lot and they sorry they drive a lot and they drive to different sites to show do showings that's a lot of you would know yes. and that typically and that's the business yeah that's the business right 80 percent 90 percent a lot of them are claiming that much and some some of them are claiming lower like 50 percent depending on their business model as well like i mentioned earlier but the 80 percent 90 percent is not uncommon and yeah. for them we still advise them to put it in their personal name. Now, I, I'll explain the reason. Because if you put it in your personal name for deduction, for deduction, your personal uh, personal tax rate is much higher. Like if you draw out sixty thousand, the marginal tax rate on sixty thousand is already over thirty percent. Mm -hmm. If you deduct it in your per, in your business name, you are deducting it, and you're only paying twelve point two percent. But if you deduct it against your personal income. It is deducted based on um, the highest marginal tax rate. Yeah. So it's better to be deducted that way anyway. Yeah. Uh, then we are having less, a little bit less co uh, complication in doing your tax returns. Good. So two little chocolate nuggets here. One, uh, purchase it under your personal name. So purchase your car mm -hmm. uh, under your personal name because one, the uh, there's a favorable tax uh, benefit there. And mm. two, it's less complicated for the accountant at the end of the year when they have to calculate all these. Absolutely. This whole segment is about cars and how to deduct cars. And the reason I did it this way is because a lot of my colleagues are deducting their car purchases off the income. And it becomes dangerous if they are doing it with too much, quote unquote, creativity. As you've heard, for real estate agents who 
travels for their work and for their business, they can deduct up to 80 to 90 percent. But even Cherry in this example says that some of them deduct only 50 percent. So if real estate agents whose entire work is to travel around and show houses, and if they deduct somewhere between 50 to 90 percent, as physicians, the business part of the work cannot be more than 50 percent. And unfortunately, I see a lot of my colleagues with the advice of their accountants, unfortunately, deduct more than 50%. And I think at this point, they are playing with fire. It is all fun and giggles until someone gets hurt. And as Cherry mentioned, CRAA is now adopting a new tactic in uh, assessing people's income taxes. They are doing targeted assessments. The areas of risk, as mentioned, are meals and car deductions. And so if you are going to be deducting your car off your income tax, make sure that you do it in a way that is in line with CRA rules. And sometimes being overly creative is not in your best interest in the long term. Okay, so we're going to stop this segment here and we're going to continue our discussion with Cherry in a third part of this series. I'm going to let the audience know about my workshop happening on June 4th, happening for the entire day, starting at 9 a.m. and completing at 5 p.m. It's going to be a workshop on the basics of financial literacy for healthcare professionals. And it is a workshop. It's meant to be interactive. So I hope you guys can join me on June 4th. You could go online and visit the website www.beautifultimesinc in one word, beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops. So again, it's www.beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops. And you will get the information and the registration on that website. Space is limited to 100 attendees, so please sign up quickly. You could also visit my website, www.financialhealthdoc.com, or email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. One more time, it is hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. To get more education on personal finance literacy, you could go on to my YouTube channel of the same name, How Is My Financial Health Doc? So I'm now on YouTube on How's My Financial Health Doc? And learn more of other personal financial literacy topics. So thank you very much. I'll see you guys next time on part three with Cherry Chan. How is my financial health doc? podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.